0: It's always when you put the biggest flourish on something that your is like, and you roll the one. It's like
1: I add so much flavor, and then it'll be like a natural one, and the DM will be like, and you totally whiffed it. What's up everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Nerdy Misfits Podcast. I'm Connor.
2: And I'm Matt. And today we're here again with good old Tim, the RPG dude that you heard about in an earlier episode. And today's episode is going to be more D&D specifically focused because Tim is our D&D guru friend. He knows it pretty dang good. He's been in the D&D expertise for years now. <laughs> what? I don't know.
1: Thanks for coming on, Tim. Thanks for Thanks. coming, Tim. Thanks.
0: I appreciate it. I I enjoy being called the D&D guru. I, I feel like that could be on a business card. The Honestly, D&D why guru. not? Yeah. Maybe we'll do that as the featured part. I need you know? to amend my business, guys. Let me a <laughs> d But yeah, so group.
1: for this episode, there might be a little bit of overlap for um, the episode we re- initially had Tim on for, but um, this one's going to be definitely more focused on just Dungeons & Dragons, so if you're thinking about playing Dungeons & Dragons, or interested in Dungeons & Dragons, stick around, you know, make some popcorn. Exactly. I mean, or, I think... or, you know, if you're working, just crank us up. Exactly. I think. Well, I
2: think it's very interesting, because we have Tim here, who is been dnding and stuff for years and then connor you're still new to it but you've done a few campaigns you've done one shots you're in a campaign right now
1: yes and then you have
2: me who has played rpg games knows how dnd works can have a conversation knows enough of the mythos and stuff Yeah, you've probably read never... more
1: lore based things in Dungeons and dragons than, than I, I have I... but i've played more. but you've <laughs> played dnd i have
2: not fully i've played like a weird we did a fight between two characters that is all i've done of physically playing D.
1: was it fun it was enjoyable. Well, I don't you know. Go. I died. Like I
2: just got, got like 100%. destroyed. Tim was there for that. He helped us with it. That's what but I,
0: you were a monk versus a barbarian, though. I'm pretty. I was a sater monk, right? Yeah. You and had the ability to level, jump at, high at level two. That does not bode well for you.
1: Exactly.
2: Yes. <laughs> but anyways, so Tim, we're just gonna ask you a couple questions. Go from there. You know, kind of create it that way. So, for questions to start,
1: I guess actually a good question to start is. What would you for you personally, what what do you prefer? DMing? Or do you would you rather be a player in the game?
0: Uh I mean if you're looking at what I currently have going on in my campaigns, uh I am in three of them right now and I'm playing in all of them. Um but that being said, I do also I really love being a dungeon master. I love that more like creative side to it. Absolutely. Um, I'm very much someone who makes up their own worlds. Or takes existing historical locations and goes. What if I make this weird? <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Mostly both. I am, I do. I do both. But I do. I, I'm really enjoying being a, only a player right now, and getting my creative juices out, preparing for my next campaign.
2: Is there a lot of things that go into being a DM, like leading into whether it be session zero or session one? Like how much prep work do you personally do I
1: mean, um yeah and what's the what how would you put the importance level like do you think a session zero is like important or should you just because i you know i've watched some stuff recently where I they were like never skip a session zero like it's you know it is important it, yeah basically that is crucial for set helping set up and get you know see where everyone's at in the player base where everyone's heads at, and how they feel going into your campaign
0: um yeah, like I I do feel like a session zero is very, very important. Um, there are a lot of things that can come up in that that won't necessarily come up until you're three or four or thirty-seven sessions into a into a game and it's like, oh, oh, we're going this way with this story.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't I don't really wanna do like Call of Cthulhu situation-y, like, please keep the elder gods over there. Their body horror and <laughs> cosmic horror are terrifying to me. And it's like, cool, if I had done a session zero, I would have known that.
1: Yeah, you would have had an idea.
0: I I wouldn't have been leading up to this for 10, 12 episodes to find out, oh, cool, we have to scrap everything and go back.
1: (laughs) Rewind.
0: Yeah, we need to rewind time (laughs) (laughs) and change the entire concept that I had going here. And then they Um, met a
1: really dark sage wizard who then teleported them back in time. time. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. so, I mean, yeah, like a session zero is, is super, super important. Um, if nothing else, if it's a group that you are familiar with, um, like uh, this upcoming weekend, as of our recording this, um, I'm going into a session zero actually as a player. Um, and we, I three out of the four of us, have our characters kind of nailed down already. Uh, me and one of my fellow players have a mutual 20 page backstory, which I know our dungeon master is going to murder us over um 20 pages. Well, it's we're siblings, so half of it's from her perspective and half of it's from it's my important. perspective. Oh, okay, yeah, that's important. Yeah. yeah um cuz you know, we keep secrets from each other. We're siblings. Yeah. It's what you do. Absolutely. Um so like there's stuff like that where like for the for the players that don't necessarily have anything, they can kind of figure out, oh, we already have a cleric and a monk and a sorcerer. We're probably going to need something, you know, either more tanky or more versatile like a ranger or a rogue than another another spellcaster right um because you don't want to backload the party if the front end is going to get steamrolled um and that way it can help out stuff like that like figuring out your party dynamics and even like general relationships if the dungeon master is like you guys have been together for about a week on the road what do you know about each other? It's like cool. We can talk about this in our session zero.
1: Figure it out and why.
0: Figure it out before we go in, and it's like I thought you told me your mother was dead. <laughs> you know, like that kind of thing. So you don't like just do yes and the wrong things right. in improv. Um, so yes, like a session zero is super duper important.
1: Piggybacking on the session zero, then, and you brought it up um, backstories. So um, obviously, I've I'm newer, and I've. I'm playing with very new players, so some of which don't have, like, you know... A lot. Very bare-bones backstories. So yep. what do you gauge, like, the importance level of, like, having a large backstory or having none?
0: Um, I... For myself, normally, I try to keep my backstories to under two pages.
1: because
0: mm-hmm. um, I have read 20-page backstories and gone, you existed an entire campaign before this, but you're starting at level one. Um... That's a fair point, actually. Yeah, like if you write if you write too much stuff and it's not like when I was six, this yeah. happened and it shaped who I would become. Like because that, like that's in my twenty page backstory. My half of it is oh our like nanny left us, but she left me with this holy symbol mm-hmm. that I didn't know was a holy symbol until a decade later, um, and then started wearing it and like going to the church and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I normally try to keep mine one to two pages. Um, you. You want to give your dungeon master enough so that they can get a feel for your character, um, but don't finalize everything.
1: Yeah, I did see, I was watching something, um, some, it was like a DM talk, and uh, they talked about how you know it's nice for as a DM to have things to go off of, but that that also doesn't mean that's what they're going to use, absolutely, like you shouldn't, unless. It is something you want them to get... That's something to talk about in a session zero. To be like, hey, this is part of my backstory. I would really like to explore something around this. Yep. And that's something you need to tell your DM. Because otherwise, that information for your backstory, that's just potential, you know, you know that the DM can dive into or not dive into. Oh, it's that's, just nice
0: yeah, to have. And it's wonderful. Um, my last campaign, uh, that we just finished up, um, my, my wizard that I was playing, um... In case I name drop anything, we do play in Matt Mercer's world. We do play in Alexandria. Okay. Um, so he's not from like we our campaign took place on Tal'Dorei, which is the continent that Campaign One takes place in. in yeah. Critical Role. My character is from Wildemount. Okay. Which is Campaign Two. Yep. Um, but what happened to him? His sister died. His younger sister. Um, she drowned in the lake. Everyone thought it was an accident, except for him. So he went to some very extreme measures to try and figure out how she would have drowned. Uh, to the point of joining the cult of the God of Undeath. Oh dear. Um, yeah. And then he went, oh, these people just want me to destroy secrets and stuff at the academy that I'm at. Because magical secrets are the worst kind of secrets to let other people read about. They always are. And he's just like... <laughs> I'm gonna go.
1: <laughs> I'm just gonna.
0: He literally like dipped and was running, fleeing west when our campaign started. Like, he was gonna go to the next continent over from Tal'Dorei to be like, I'm gonna get as far away from this woman as I possibly can. Um, cause he was also romantically involved with his cult leader. Oh, oh boy.
1: yeah. You never mix your cults with Yeah. romance.
0: Yeah. Keep your cults above the belt. Uh, a lot of like... one. But, uh, and, like, because he just ran and didn't, like, turn them into the, the city watch or whatever, my cult leader showed up in our campaign to torment me about my sister's death. Um,
1: well, also, nice
0: also kidnapping the character that became my adopted little sister. Oh, my gosh. Some good story. That's man. no chill. Yeah. No, she had zero chill. Um, I'm really glad that I ended up getting the killing blow on her because um, poetic. I really needed that.
1: Sometimes the dice they're just they, they just they're there. They, they know. just
0: they know that you need it. But it was like it was one of those things I was unconscious, uh, towards the end of that fight, and everyone's like wailing on her and wailing on her and wailing on her. I'm like, I just wanna do something. I wanna participate in the death of my antagonist. And our paladin just like sees that just anguish on my face, and he's just like, I just lay on hands on on Damikos, or who's my character's name, and it's like, cool, I'm up again. Whack <laughs> And that happened to be the killing blow, and it's like kind of perfect. oh I love it, but also now I have to deal with the trauma.
1: Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I, I do feel like sometimes it is crazy how the dice really do sometimes like they, they know
0: when the story is important.
1: It just like uh it just fits. I don't know if you can relate matt but but like um recently in our campaign, um my character is a uh once prince like I'm going to say exiled prince, but it's more so he's unknown that he's alive when his family his family is dead. Um, and am return to the city and kind of, you know, re- end up taking back kind of the city. And um, <laughs> I rolled a really poorly on a persuasion check to convince the current store to, like, go to the capital and let them know that, like, my family is back in charge, basically. For sure. And I failed that epically. But then... I got mad and my character's a warlock, so you know I added some nice flavor of like, you know, some purpley magic aura as some, I'm some as I'm as aura. I'm yelling at this person now and I got rolled a really, really high intimidation check instead, yep. and then it worked. And I was like, honestly, that felt more natural for like my character. Absolutely, yeah. And it was just like it just felt so much better because I was like, Wow, the dice knew like that that's how it should have been done.
0: Yep. Dice the, are magical. The, 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 the dice are a magical entity all themselves in Dungeons & Dragons. Absolutely. They take it, the, then they give it. It's so hard. <laughs> so hard. The swing is so hard.
2: I have, I have a question, actually, because we kind of talked about this, but I'm genuinely curious, personally. Tim, how many session zeros have you had?
0: I know it's probably a loaded question
2: because you've been doing D&D for a while, but I'm just genuinely curious so, here.
0: So, like, full session zeros, where, like, everybody in the party is there at once... Just
2: in general, how many sessions there is, whether you're the DM or the player, how many of
0: you partaked in? Uh, Not as many as I would have liked to. Okay. Um, Including the one that I'm, that I have going on this weekend, one.
1: Oh, dear. What a yeah. plot twist. Okay, right? I was expecting, yeah. like, a lot larger no, no, number.
0: It's always, like, I'll always, like, f- that, that's a full session zero. That's, like, the entire party show. Yeah. Like, to one conference call, basically. I always try to make sure that I talk to, uh, individually or if it's two people from my household, I'll talk to both of them at once, that kind of thing. Um, but like a full on session zero where we set like, um, like get all of our characters set up and their relationships with one another, and any, um, safety lines that are a thing. Okay. Um, so it's yeah, kind of like one having one a session zero. Just yeah, it's kind just, kind just more individual. Because yeah. uh, one of the things, I always try to ask them, like, what would you not be into? Yeah, so you're still getting the important yeah.
1: information you need. It's just a matter of how you're getting it. It's not formal. It. Yeah. Yeah, I think we've done, we did end up having a session zero, but our DM did end up, like, reach out to everyone, kind of initially be like, hey, what's what's your idea for your character? Especially since we have new players, too, right? You want to, like, talk them through and be like, hey, there's no pressure. You don't have to have anything crazy. Like, I can help you come up with your story yeah. as we go. Like. So I, he definitely reached out to everyone to see where they're at and if they had questions about the world or, like, if this would be okay. Because that's another thing. You don't want to just add your own homebrew content or something and the DM's like, what's where, going on here? Where, <laughs> where
0: did this come from? Yeah, especially especially for stuff like that. Like, uh, if you have a character concept that's based off of a class that you found online. Like, I have I have a really cool one that basically makes you gambit.
1: That's pretty sick. Okay.
0: Um, to the point where your spell slots are determined by the physical cards that are in your hand, so you actually That's need a set of physical actually.
1: cards. I did almost want to do to do um, like a homebrew ninja, like kind of like more Naruto esque, yeah. where I never ended up doing it, and that actually is because you mentioned it earlier and already was, the backstory was just too fleshed out. Where like I do remember char- you writing yeah, this character. And the the character was already like you know it was like they were full like, ninja. They were oh, yeah. already an anime protag, Like, yeah. you know, they didn't need to be in the session. It would have been maybe cool if that character showed up to help the party or something because they were already established. But it didn't make sense.
0: I, I left volume 50 of my story to come join your volume one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: And it was a cool character. And that's, I, I love character making. It's definitely one of my favorite things oh, yeah. is to just fool around and like look at different classes and be like, oh, wouldn't it be weird if this race was this? 'Cause that's like kind of unnormal. Like not as normal. And then I'm like then you're like, What but why would they do that? And then you like get get in and like you look at my D and D beyond and it's like ten characters that I'm probably never gonna play but they're there.
0: I, I have a I have a game that I've made for myself on roll twenty that is literally for character concepts that I have in mind. And it's literally like I have it grouped, so I have um, I have Theros characters, which was the game that I was going to play with yeah, you. which I still want to do. Which we still want to do. At least use your character, because your character is pretty dope. Yeah. Um, <laughs> bristle chin. Bristle chin. Um, and then it's uh, actual possible characters, possible characters, <laughs> and cool NPCs. Oh, uh, cool NPCs. There you <laughs> go. There you go. Cool NPCs. Cool NPCs is its own thing, and it's like, alright, okay, I have like 150 characters on here. Are any of them going to see the light of day? maybe one or two maybe or, or, or like or two. five or six of the npc ones but yeah like cool well, so
2: what are some of your favorite npcs that you've created whether it be characters oh, that got to use in-game or
0: characters that are still in that secret file oh man i've got some fun i've got a um oh what is it it's there's a bug bear mm. so it, the biggest form of goblin basically it's basically a sasquatch um but it's still related to goblins somehow who was an archaeologist,
1: Ooh.
0: who discovered a cursed artifact and became a warlock. Wow. Okay. I like yeah. it. I like it. It's like so he's he's got he's got the Indiana Jones hat, he <laughs> like because as a, so the archaeologist background. I think it was in the Tomb of Annihilation book, um, okay. which is a, a phenomenal adventure module. Um, there's archaeologist and anthropologist as possible backgrounds in that. An archaeologist gives you a signature item and there's, you know, a 10-foot pole, a shovel, a bullwhip, a, uh, a fedora. Like, like it's straight up like your signature item. You can basically make Indiana Jones Indiana and Jones. it's perfectly within your character. It's amazing. Um, so there's that guy. I've got a really cool... Um... See, it's funny because a lot of my like really cool NPCs are all monstrous races. Um, That's okay. It's because there's there's a really fun uh Triton, which is like a pseudo, like a cross between a, a sea elf and a mermaid. Um They're one of the big races in Theros. In Theros, actually. yeah. Um And he is a uh he's a retired adventurer. So I think I think he has levels in either Sorcerer and Warlock or like Sorcerer and Bard. But he is basically just a really cool shopkeep. It's what, it's one of those, like, why, why do retired adventurers always open shops? And it's, like, because they're sick of going out. And Makes is, sense. He's very much that vibe. Like, he's he just doesn't want to <laughs> deal with people anymore. But it's, like, but I need to make money. But I've, shop got all, I've got all this cool shit in my bag of holding. Open a shop. Well, I'm going to sell it. Good for, plan. For way more than it's worth because they don't know where it came from true i made this no you didn't you stole that from the temple 12 miles away they don't know that they don't know that
1: how about you matt do you have any like ideas of what you want like you know your first real dnd session do you have a
2: theros 100 percent <laughs> like well do you know too, connor do you know anything about the theros at all no it's i th- i want to say it's like greek mythology heavy like inspired yeah it's it's magic the gatherings version of ancient greece okay and it is i we made a character and his name was bristle he was a satyr but he was a monk and he like worshipped a temple in the clouds
0: yeah because you were you were a worshiper of Kuranos, which is basically the storm god yeah okay
1: okay
2: and I just like created the whole origin of it like I really got into it I went through and like I found like his obsessions for nature and everything and why he didn't want to go back to the cloud temple because something had happened in his backstory like I had this character decently flushed out
1: so he went through the process of the fun of making a character yeah, yeah absolutely the whole thing
2: and I have it all ready to go and I'm just like I just want to play this old which is
0: which is made even better because that was a pre-made character i made theros characters for everybody that was going to play in that game so that there was cause <laughs> exactly there was, yeah there, because it's a magic the gathering setting yep there's only there's like human and then five other races that are allowed um which are i think in theros it's centaur minotaur triton L- triton satyr and leonin which is a lion man this um, is also
2: the first time satyr's been a playable race as yes, well i believe yeah. right which i thought was pretty Especially interesting for too. And
0: fifth edition, which is huge so I was just
2: like super pumped just to play like this mid f- like '50s satyr named Bristlechin. <laughs> the name so first great. name
0: was was Pentelus Bristlechin. It was, Brintel- it was Bristlechin. Pen- yeah Pentelus yeah.
2: Bristlechin, but I just wanted to be called by Bristlechin because I didn't like my first name.
0: <laughs> you d- you didn't like your temple given name
2: <laughs> exactly. But yeah, and it was pretty interesting because with satyrs too, like you have this ability to just literally just jump super high. Yeah. So when we were doing that like one shot, just fighting each other. One of the attacks I literally did was just me jumping super high and just having a weapon and just getting ready to like smack down. Felt very anime. Yeah. yeah, it sounds like very anime. full anime, just this, like especially since your weapon's
0: a quarter staff too. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I just had a staff. It was it like just coming wailing down on his head.
1: Yeah, I think so. my, I'm mine's like recency bias because obviously like right now I'm playing a character and I feel like that's my favorite character cuz I'm only in one Wait, once you get into it oh, yeah. Yeah. and it's like well the other thing is like I haven't made too many I made one character for a one shot and the one that I had for a campaign for a bit so I've only got like three real characters I've played but just right now I it's recency bias but it's also cuz we're going through like a very heavy my character arc for the first cuz I definitely had some of the most backstory for the for the dm to go with so yeah. we ended up kind of following my path first if and, it, fits, you know, it fits. and it gives other people time to think about oh this is kind of cool and then give them ideas of maybe they can bring up to the dm separately of what they want yeah so it's been and it's like you know part of you plan out kind of where you want to go but then it's like you know deep down am just like if i live <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> you know? that's one of the big things it's
1: like it's like i would love to get to this point but then like you're looking it's like level 16 you're like Ooh, that's a long ways away
0: <laughs> and, and i get 1d6 hit points every level up yep i'm not gonna make it to 16 and
1: it's like I, this is my first time multiclassing. yeah and i was like because i thought the concept was really cool to me because i did started as a warlock and i'm multiclassing into sorcerer okay and the reason was is because i wanted some like drama where it's like oh like i didn't know that my family had magic yep. like because they didn't know or like they hid it from me kind of thing so i have like,
0: like else do you
1: and i'm edgy i'm you know I, I love anime so obviously it's just super edgy where it's like i'm a warlock and you know i have like my you know my book of shadows but then i just so happen to have like through my ancestries like i have shadow sorcery cool. that's like the route i'm going to be
0: taking so it's like very edgy but and that works so good with a shadow packed warlock too. yeah it's
1: great like, and it just it felt very um fitting as i was going and i was like oh that's so cool but then i didn't realize how nerfed you feel when you subclass because it's like oh all my party members are like level five and they're starting to get stuff and i'm just like but i'm not i'm like <laughs> i'm stuck yeah because like, i started subclassing because i didn't like i'm not trying to hardcore min max i don't want you know some people are into that but i'm trying to hardcore min max but i didn't want to like nerf myself either in terms of like i thought using um eldritch Blast once you get to a certain level of eldritch blast you can no longer use your sorcery points to twin spell Mm -hmm. so i was like okay well i want to be able to twin spell that so i was like i have to be stuck at this level of warlock and then i was like oh i'm realizing that i can maybe you know maybe if i break my pact and i've talked to my dm a bit about this is like maybe i can break my Pact later on the line and my warlock levels go away yeah. Right? Because then that, that's obviously, that's our game specific. Like, you can talk to your DM if that's something that you're allowed. But we have talked about it and it kind of makes sense where it's like, maybe I slowly work towards, you know, when whenever that happens or if I live to that point would be awesome. But it is like part of the, um, part of what I'm enjoying about the character. And that's also because we're going through my story right now.
0: Well, out of curiosity, what is your warlock pact?
1: Um like the the person i have a pact with yeah um I, mean, I can't remember her specific name she's like the spider queen i'm pretty sure
0: oh your fiend pact. <laughs> so okay that could that could be trying to break your pact with the spider queen could be a problem for you
1: it's sounding like it's a problem for
0: everyone it right now just, oh no a, <laughs> having curse. a having a pact with the spider queen is <laughs> yeah, a problem it's, for it's, everyone it's, it's sounding but like a problem right Frankie now in did. the campaign
1: in general she seems to have her hands in a lot of
0: cookie jars in the area that's what happens when you have like two normal hands and then eight spider legs i
1: guess yeah i guess i guess you'd be right so yeah so she's kind of around yeah and she's affecting other party members yeah current you know also we'll call them like you know they're basically there's like also happens to be a witch in the area who's also um, connected to yeah her. and so, basically, it feels like it's, you know, kind of feels like she's kind of be maybe being set up as a big bad. I'm not going to take, you know, the, the, you know, but I'm saying it's a possibility yep. and it almost fits perfectly into the ties of like, oh, that would be a perfect way for my guy to lose his warlock
0: status and levels and being like, yeah, I'm done with you. Yeah. Cool. You, you helped beat the avatar of the Spider Queen. Yeah. We're gonna just going to take that from you and just be like, <laughs>
1: die. But yeah, I did, and then like I like I just like some of the things that um the like the packs with the warlock like the sh- the shadow I think like they had for because the, sha- the the you can't like one of the options is like oh you don't sleep yep you don't need sleep And know so like that sounds edgy as hell because like I've had bad dreams of um because in dealing with my edgy my family's all dead that's kind of how like I initially got my pack was my character was um, kidnapped. And in order to get my freedom, I kind of, like, prayed for just getting free.
0: To anyone. Yeah. Yeah. And,
1: like, the cost of that freedom was also my whole family getting killed. Because my character hated being, like, royalty and, like, always having to live up to, like, these standards. Mm -hmm. So she took the freedom as, like, oh, you'll be free all right. So I was freed (laughs) of everything. And that's also why I became a fallen Aasimar is because... Of my pack that I took.
0: That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So that's cool.
1: So that's why I became fallen, and you know, then the and then I end, and I. Is up this whatever. all
2: public knowledge inside your campaign right now? In yep. case, so okay, just well, want like to I said, make sure. Like I
1: said, we're following my story, yeah. so we we're okay. almost wrapped up this arc, if you will. Like we've I've gone back to my city. Um, they, they, they recognize me. Obviously, some of them are in shock. We had to like take out some higher up that you know was trying to say that I wasn't there or whatnot. And, um, basically I'm putting someone else in charge because my character still feels like he has things to more do. self-discovery to figure out. And like, he feels like he's found a new family and then like, so that, you know, to not just end the campaign with yeah, the character Yeah, you know, for sure. So that's, um, kind all of right. it, but yeah, it's, um, it's been fun. Like, and obviously like I didn't tell my DM all of these things. I didn't pick who my, who my pack was specifically with so that the he like it was just like oh you see a floating head in your dreams and stuff and then slowly i learned who it was and well you know he we went that's a clever library. actually it's yeah. but it's been fun and obviously like part of me is like yeah i really want to get to these levels to reach but then it's like the biggest thing in dungeons and dragons is like
0: you don't want to play too far ahead yeah <laughs> i have this really great plan for level 20 it's like you're level two <laughs> yeah you got a long ways to go there kid uh, that, like, your, your story with the, with the Warlock sounds a lot like my, uh, one of the other games that I'm in, I'm playing as a, a bugbear rogue, um, and we're doing, um, the Out of the Abyss campaign. Yep, yep. Which is very Underdark-focused, uh, but we started, we started with, um, Scarlet Citadel from, uh, it was originally printed in 3.5, 3. I believe, and then got redone for 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons, um in one of the anthology books that they did, where they also brought up like Tomb of Horrors. Yep. Which is a wonderful adventure that I really want to torture people with at one point. Um, <laughs> it's designed to kill everyone. Perfect. Matt, it's it's wonderful. It's gorgeous. Um, indirect one shot Sometimes that can be really fun. Oh yeah. Knowing knowing that your character is unlikely to survive makes for a really fun one shot. Um but See,
1: so we Rogue One ain't so bad.
0: Yeah. Well no no we're not no, we're not discussing Rogue <laughs> <laughs> One. But it's uh like there, there's one part where you Uh, like crack open, you can crack open a sarcophagus and fight a desiccated, mummified troll who happens to, yes, that's a yep, that was a sentence that I just said, all right, just making sure who who is also a priest of uh Tiamat, okay, the the dragon god of chromatic dragons, the evil ones. I got murdered, so there's a thing if you go below your maximum hit points, um. Like, if you take enough single single target damage to go below your maximum hit points, you're just dead. You're just dead. If you go to zero, you're unconscious. If you go below your maximum, you're just dead. And it's like, I had two hit points when I got slashed by this troll. And as a first level rogue, I had... Yeah, you didn't 11? have much. Yeah, I think not I had 11? Very, yeah, not very much health. Because um, I I souped up Constitution because he's a bugbear. Um, but yeah, I straight up died. And our Dungeon Master's like... do you like this character yes do you want to keep going with this character yes please zombified okay cool everyone else take your headphones off oh so everyone else is literally sitting there on zoom with their headphones off their heads right watching the two of us roleplay this scenario oh no um he didn't he came back um he can never go home because if he does He's gonna have to kill some people because um, he owes some souls. Oh, oh dear, and he was thinking of his family when the deal was made, so it's like, Cool, you owe your family members to me now. It's like, Okay, cool, thanks. She got dark fast, yeah, but it's cool because now we're in the Underdark and Captives of the Drow, and it's like, Yeah, I'm, I'm not making it out of this. It's all fine, the it's deal's fine. fine. It- if I'm it, not actually going to do it, it's fine. It was, one of, it was one of those things, too, where it's, like, when we're sitting in our jail cell and, like, the tribe that my bugbear is from is mixed race. Right. So there's, ha- there's goliaths, there's orcs and stuff, and there was an orc in our prison cell. And I whispered to my name, I'm like, does he have any of the standard tribal markings on him? No. Damn it. <laughs> Unfortunate. Because if I could get a freebie... <laughs> I'll take it. I will take it. All right, well, move it on there. Um
2: we will uh we've got a couple more questions before we round up this episode but
1: let's go into um you know let's let's do actually i you know i'm 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 torn for i have a couple here but i i think this is the best one how does it feel when you do crazy prep work and then your party just f's off and does something completely
0: unrelated Every time. Every time. It happens every time. There's there's a really great story um, from uh, Shelley Mazzanova, who works at Wizards of the Coast. Um, they have their own like official D&D podcast, and she tells the story all the time about how f- her first DM session, she made a dungeon, and her first room had a T-junction. Yep. And she planned everything that was to the right. Oh, no. They went left. Oh, they always go left. The easy solution for that is to take everything that's on the right
1: and, move and to the left. hit it at
0: a one hundred and eighty. Yep. <laughs> but unfortunately, that means that when they decide to go right later, you need to then come up with that. But at least you have time. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's a it's a thing. There's one of the one of the big things with dungeon mastering um, is to never plan too far ahead. Right because you can never be too sure what your players are going to do. Um my my Cleopatra era campaign that I was that I was working on, I had done a bunch of like little side quests that are in this town to help get them a little bit more magic items and a little bit more XP so that when they went to go do what the the sheriff effectively of the town wanted them to do, they could survive it.
1: Yeah, they're like pop- properly prepared.
0: Yeah they did one of the four things because it was on their way out of town. Um, so then I had to create a... De- I had to make a Dungeon Master player character to save them. I had to deus <laughs> had ex to machina the hell out of it. To <laughs> save them. They That's probably nice. would... To be fair, they probably would have been okay. But I had them there and it helped. So it wasn't terrible that they right. were there um this would have been a character that would have been either like joined the party as a dmpc um which for a party of, like basic guidelines for dungeons and dragons requires five players mm-hmm. all of the if you're playing a pre-made campaign they're all set up for five players so having a party of four it's always nice to have that DNPC. yeah um even if there's something that's not huge like, the one campaign that I play in, our DMPC was a archery-focused fighter. So, wasn't a ranger, so didn't have spells. Right. Um, but was there and consistently batted 500. Um, she had a perfect 50-50 average for a long time.
1: Can't ask for more than that, really. Exactly.
0: Until she was able to sh- fire three shots on a turn, and then her average started fluctuating a little bit. Then we need to kill her off. Uh, no, <laughs> she was great. We we, we love Akara. Um. <laughs> Even though, even though her average dropped, but she was still <laughs> he didn't uh, know her average, <laughs> she was still our team she, was, she was still doing great uh, and helping us out. Um, but yeah, like players will always do something that you don't expect them to do, um, and if you think that they aren't going to do that, well, get ready, folks.
2: So with you being more of an experience because you've done both playing and being the DM. As a player, do you ever purposely do that? Because you're familiar with DMing where you're like, oh, "I feel like the DM wants us to go this way, so I'm going to purposely just go the opposite way." Yeah, like just like screwing with it? Yeah, you. do you ever just like, you know what? Let's just screw with the the DM on purpose.
1: Um <coughs> just like setting up like like you know, this whole scene where you need to like do something at like nightfall with the full moon and you're just like, "Hey guys, I was thinking we we just go for some drinks." I,
0: I can honestly say no. Okay. Um, I have done the opposite though, where, uh, so in the the Disney game that I play in, um, where we are all princesses, um, and I'm okay saying that because my princess is a badass. Do not mess with Kida of Atlantis; she will murder you in your sleep. Um, oh, sounds like a scary princess. She is a terrifying. <laughs> she, I mean, she's an ancestral ancestral guardian barbarian.
1: Yeah, she sounds scary. Yeah. I don't um, mess with her either.
0: She, when she goes into a rage, she doesn't like do a standard like rampage. She just pulls down that battle mask that they use for like twelve seconds in the movie, um, and quietly rages because that's worse. Inner rage. Um, but in that one, there were a couple like a couple times in our very early early sessions where you know everybody else who was brand new to the game didn't really know what they should do uh, what what they were able to do because they don't know that you can they didn't know at the time that you could literally do whatever you want right um so it was it was one of those things where it's like we should totally go that way like let's go that way. let's go we gotta help the dm we have to go to the tower like that's we know that they're there and causing a problem we have to go there um kind of thing so it's like and in that case like it was that was one of the few times like i being the more experienced player i wanted i still do i still like i want more of the focus to be on the newer players
1: yeah it's you're just kind of helping them guide like you're like you're like the training wheels to be like yeah guys we're gonna go here so we
0: and it was one of those things too like everybody all the all the new people had like our dungeon master made their characters for them like talk to them about what princess they might want to play um so we have, uh, we have Jasmine, who wears our rogue, as you do. She rides around on magic carpet. It's great. Epic. Um, we have Moana, who is a. I believe she's an ancestral paladin. Okay. Um, so ties to nature and everything. Uh, we have Cinderella, who is a Fae Pact warlock. Okay. Who has. Her, her uh, familiar is a fairy godmother. Nice. Um, and we have um shoot i'm no i'm forgetting something down but when they're gonna be mad at me if i forget them and i you've been forgotten I'm so, you're the I'm so sorry i'm so sorry princess um <laughs> jasmine moana cinderella we and had, that's we, when the c- princess was actually killed. but now but now we have like uh,
2: later on in the story <laughs> by another princess your DM is going to listen to this.
0: She's going to listen to this. She's so mad at me. I'm, I'm sorry, Leah. I'm sorry. I have um, failed you. <laughs> I have failed this city. Um, but now, and then like a little later on in the story, um, another more experienced player came on as Belle. Okay. Who's an artificer. Um, Makes sense. Who had a, clock, had a clockwork robot following her around those Cogsworth 2.0. Nice. Um, you know, as you do. Um, I'm so mad at myself for forgetting... <laughs> Don't worry, you're not the only one. I'm sure. Oh, especially whenever this goes goes on air, because um, I will be sending this to everybody, and they're gonna be mad at me. Um, but we have like uh, we have a DMPC who is uh, Ariel, right? Who is a druid who's with us now. Um, but yeah, like it's, uh, and it's one of those things where balancing i'm getting off of the original question at this point but balancing like when when to help guide the story and when to just let everybody else experience player. it yeah experience making those decisions and making those choices um and not intentionally messing with your dm yeah um because put a lot of work in. they put a lot of work into this stuff guys don't intentionally mess up your dm story by murdering the dude you're supposed to form an alliance with
1: yeah that's rough
0: that's it's it's rough, buddy. Um, but uh, yeah.
1: Okay, actually, this kind of piggybacks off of it. But what what is your? I guess since you have DM'd, how about like when to railroad or railroading versus kind of like the free like roam storytelling.
0: Um, so, I, I'm very much that kind of that kind of person. I. A true railroad is very, very hard to do, right? Um, well, it's like just
1: obvious. Yeah,
0: it's it's one of those things where it's like, cool. You're going into this dungeon. There are no side corridors. Yeah, there is no secret passageways. You go from point A to point B, and to get there, you have to go through rooms C, D, like
1: yeah, A, B, C, D. You A, fight one, two, three, four. To fight one, two,
0: three, four, and in the end, you will before you get to point B, you will. Hopefully realize what your enemy is and have to deal with them. Right. Um, where like I'm, I'm more of the per- like I will give you little side things that you can do. I I really enjoy having those. You know, there's this secret corridor in this tomb that the that the builders made um, so that they could get from the antechamber to the entrance without triggering any of the traps in between. And if you happen to use that side path, oh, look, you ignored encounters 2, 3, and 4. But now you don't know what's coming in encounter 5. Right. So it's got that drawback, but it's also got that benefit of you're not wasting resources. You're not um, alerting everyone to your presence, which is huge. Um, I'm, I'm very much a, like guided storytelling is okay um, if you make objectives very clear. Mm-hmm. Um, then it doesn't feel like railroading. Right. Cause um, then it
1: like feels like they're accomplishing something yeah, it, or trying
0: to work towards if, a goal. If nothing else, it gives them the illusion of choice. Right. Which is more important to have which them. is more important. There's the for some versimilitude that comes with D D where you have to accept you have to accept the fantasy for it to become a reality. Right. Um so it's very much a if you you have to accept the story your dungeon master is trying to tell you in order to enjoy it
1: for sure i agree um with that.
0: so having a true open world like a like a witcher three kind of scenario where it's like cool my main quest is in Skellige. i'm gonna go dick around in novigrad for four to f- forty five hours like you don't be that guy <laughs> <laughs> so i think that kind of segues
2: into a kind of question like that's super important obviously and is there any other important things that you think new players should think about when they're starting
0: into to go into more D anD D, things that they should think about. Um, don't be afraid to try something. Um, it could be, it could sound super outlandish in your head, and go, this this would never work. This this is impossible. And your dungeon master, when presented with the scenario, might set the difficulty at being dang near impossible give her a go anyway but give her a go what's the worst thing that could happen like your your fictional character dies cool that's still good storytelling because everyone else in your group is gonna try and find a way to bring you back hopefully
1: or it will impact their character in a meaningful way or
0: it'll impact their character in a meaningful way right you never know uh when the actions that you take you never know when they will or how they will affect everyone else at the table. Um, a really great story for that uh, from the from my big my big Saturday campaign where my where my sister da- drowned. Our druid, who became my adopted sister, uh, was in a fight with a creature that was kind of like a bridge troll, like lived in the river beneath a bridge. And she ended up falling unconscious in the river. Okay. So when we finally able, were able to bring her back, I literally like ran up to her, grabbed her by the collar, went, "Never do that again." But that became a moment where it's like everyone's like, "Why did you react that way? What happened?" So they start, so the other characters starting asking questions to my character. It's like my sister drowned. Yeah. And it's like that's that was a huge thing for me as my character to be able to reveal to them because then it totally changed their
1: how they view how they view me and like
0: why i am sometimes the way that
2: i am so do you think it's important then when you're having this whole character background stuff and you're either session zero or like the first few sessions to not reveal your entire character to
0: the party oh absolutely not never do that yeah you're kind of like taking away all like the The fun and the mysterious yeah
1: i think other good advice for like from what i've learned from the few like sessions i've had now in terms of like campaigns is that one thing when you're role playing as your character like obviously i mentioned this in the first episode we have with him but you don't have to act in like specifically the voice or whatever to be your character but a good thing is always to remember you're not you right like if you've created your character remember You have to do a double take. If it takes you a couple seconds to really think about how your character is going to react, remember that it's how that character reacts. So some good advice that me and my DM have talked about to some new players is like, it's sometimes better to maybe make your character more close to how you would react initially when you're first learning how to role play because if it's more tied to how you are as a person, then it's easier for those reactions, obviously. But that's one thing is to do that double take of like, is this how this character would react? Yeah. I know how I might feel, but how does, how do they feel in this situation? That's just like some good advice when role playing. In yeah, general.
0: absolutely. Yeah. Never like if, if you have an acting background, it's a lot easier to jump into those more extreme versions of yourself. Yeah, for sure. But it, very few people have that. Yep. So having your first character be very similar to your personality is a wonderful thing for you sometimes. And, like you don't definitely don't feel like you have to make your character sound different. Or, yeah, like uh, completely different. I my, my last character he had the part of the country that he was from uh, has Germanic ties in the lore, mm-hmm. so he had German accents. Yeah, but sometimes it would slip. I would sometimes like bring a little bit of Australian into it. Sometimes <laughs> he's I all don't over know the how. place. He went all over the map. But like. That he's was actually a, an international spy. Yeah, literally. That was a choice that <laughs> I made for him. My my character in my next game, um, he, the, the one with the 20-page backstory, um, it's going to be more of a tonal thing. Oh, okay. So it's going to be, he's going to be, like, using my voice, but have his enunciations and his kind of focuses on syllables very different. Um... So that because he has access to a spell that I love called disguise self, so that when I do come up with an illusionary disguise, I can then jump into an accent. Yeah, that's smart. Because when you have a baseline, like standardized accent, and your character is using a German one, it's virtually impossible to go, okay, but how would a German person try to talk like they're from Boston? Yeah, fair. Because my brain can't wrap around that because I'm already somebody not from germany trying to use a german accent yeah
1: yeah it's like increasing the difficulty yeah. level for sure for
0: for myself which is a problem for me
1: i think um one more good advice for new players if you're starting a more lengthier campaign is that remember that you are telling the story as a as a campaign you guys are the storytellers right your dm's they're just facilitating basically that journey and remember that you need to have a reason that you're all traveling together. Yes. So don't, you know, don't like go against the grain in terms of like that initial uh, coming together. There, you ha- you're co- It's a campaign. You're supposed to be doing this journey, this story together. So remember, that's a big important thing. I think that some people overlook sometimes when they're first games. They kind of just ignore the whole coming together process. And you're like, why are you guys journeying together? Yeah. Remember that you're telling the story Together, there has to be a reason you want to join or want to do this. Is that
2: is that common in like when in some of your stories that you've DM'd like for newer players that they don't really know like the reason why they're going to the city?
0: A lot of times, yeah. um There's there's very much that trope in Dungeons and Dragons. That's the I'm the shadowy loner who sits in the corner. We have that there, and, <laughs> and it's really great when you have a party. It's of not me. those. I know those. it's not you. I think I know who it is, but yeah, you know, like having a party of four of those is a problem. Yeah, because they're all, they're all angsty teenagers and it's not power rangers so yeah
1: <laughs> ours worked out pretty well where the one guy is his first time playing but he's a very extrovert person in general so he's very into the role playing and the talking so he's he's good at facilitating conversation and we have someone who it, is, it isn't his first time but he's just quiet in general but we do have a good balance of like talkers yeah. and, non-talkers. and non-talkers but i can definitely see like if you
0: have a bunch of non talkers. There's, there's almost nothing, no fun yeah, happening, right? There's like, zero things that happen. Um, and it's even harder if you're playing online. For um, sure, yeah. Because, like, my my group is very much, we're very story-focused. We like telling a good story. Um, but ha- online, you know, you're always afraid of that, you know, three people try to talk at once on Zoom, and it's, so you get just minutes and minutes of just silence. Ooh, awkward. Um, but then when we went to play in person... Uh, and there was virtually none of that. Because we could physically see when somebody was trying to speak. It wasn't just of their head. Yeah, you can see the body language. You can see the body language of, like, I have an idea. Yeah.
2: Before we wrap this episode up here, Tim, um, obviously I probably won't be too much help with this, but do you have any questions for me or Connor when it comes to D&D and stuff?
0: Um, I mean, I feel like a big one would be do you guys think that you'd be cool playing in a game that I would run? I think we've been I mean, I'm down. 100%, I just want to play. I know DVD, you want to so... play, um, but that's because I've been trying to get you to play for three years. It's not it's me. It's not, everyone else. It's not
1: just you. Don't worry. <laughs> we've, we've tried to convince Matt to join our campaigns.
0: For just like a one.
1: It's more so Matt's time. Yeah.
0: Matt's availability. Yes. Yeah. It's it's a little bit a little bit of, of skew. you feel like attacked all of a sudden. <laughs> we do it because we love mm-hmm. to do it, Connor
1: yeah it would be totally dumb
0: then Theros? Theros, maybe <laughs> or something uh, alternate history adjacent to Theros? <laughs> or that too because your home I, I am a classicist that's true i do love me my ancient history any other questions i don't think so i mean no. that's kind of
2: i have a question for connor actually so i'm curious with the campaign you're doing right now are you doing any special voice or like how how are you portraying your character
1: um he's very the voice i haven't really done a voice okay it's just kind of me and uh he's just very cocky he's very um he's very charismatic okay um obviously he's very spoiled his whole childhood because he was royalty but um he the way i kind of intertwined with one of the newer players was that he's an older than me and he's a bard and i met him on my kind of like journey and he's taught me how to live i'm putting air quotes here so he's taught me how to you know a a woman how how to be a bard (laughs) how to woo a woman how to make money when maybe it's hard to make money and uh yeah so i definitely have taken a lot of you know maybe not good things from him but i have learned a lot from him yep so my character is very charismatic full of himself and it slaps me in the face a lot because i'll be all like cocky when i'm using a spell to like attack something and then i absolutely fail oh
0: it's it's immensely always, it's always when you put the biggest flourish on something yep. that your spell's like and you roll the one it's like
1: yeah i add boss. so much flavor and then i'll be like a natural one and the dm will be like and you totally whiffed it yep like because uh the way we met initially was we were like in a kind of like a calcium fight oh
0: nice. and
1: uh and I'm just like living it up with the crowd, you know. I'm just like, oh yeah, I'm here, you know. Look at me. They're all clapping for me, and yeah, I failed many. I think I don't even know if I hit anything in that entire session. Yep. But I looked good.
0: And and sometimes <laughs> in a coliseum, that's what's important. <laughs> I was.
1: They loved me. Yep. But yeah, that's, uh, that's how I've been kind of portraying him is that cocky and he has already through the story that we've told, I've already, like, I would say that he has matured in terms of like, cause the city was completely different than when he was there. Like, you know, like the under city, like the lower half of the city has been basically looked down on and is seg- segregated from the upper city. And it wasn't like that when he was a kid. And so he kind of wants to bring it back to like how it was. So I think he's matured a lot, but as we go through, like he's still gonna be like, "Oh, where's the brothel Where's the nearest brothel?" Yep. You know, that's kind of that's just how he has been since he was 15, and now I'm, well, I'm 21, but something happened where I've got aged 10 years, so I'm 31. but.
0: <laughs> and that that's what happens when you learn life lessons from a bard. Yeah. So
1: it's been uh, it's been pretty great, and it is fun because I think the charismatic characters are more fun because you get all those deception or persuasion roles, which can make things a little more crazy when you're trying to convince people okay. to do some
0: certain things yeah. but it's e- it's even better my my wizard was trained in deception beauty did i ever actually lie to anybody nope <laughs>
1: beautiful all of
0: my checks were persuasion and it's like that's not helpful to me but okay, okay. Never get to weirdly enough our paladin was the one who lied the most oh no
1: it's always the holy one and he
0: was the one who's trained in persuasion it's always the holy one always the holy ones trust issues
1: But yeah, guys, I hope you learned something from this episode, too. And don't be afraid to find people in your circle or go out there online. There's so many different things, Reddit, Discord groups, etc., where you can join your own D&D campaign and give it a try for the first time.
2: Tim, thank you again for coming on the episode. And for the listeners, where can they find you again? Uh,
0: You can find me... best place to find me is on Instagram at uh, No 2 studios Um, And yeah, if anybody has any questions about dandy i am more than happy to uh to assist uh i've got close to 20 years playing this game now so uh don't be afraid to dm him don't be afraid instagram to message play. me four he editions will, live in my brain he will answer your questions and yeah guys don't
1: forget to check us out on all the major instagram you
2: know, facebook now facebook, um, yeah. hopefully tiktok soon twitter obviously spotify wherever you're listening to the podcast whether it be apple music all the major all All the the major ones all the
1: major podcast platforms don't forget to check us out
2: and specifically also check us out on spotify if you got spotify we usually like to post questions there and don't be afraid to send us any dms as well or emails or something if you guys have questions for us to answer whether it be DD themed or anything nerdy themed and yeah i'm matt and i'm connor and i'm tim and we will see you all next wednesday